indeed. That's right, nothing but the blood. Notice in that song, which is scriptural based, doesn't say anything about going to church, doesn't say anything about giving money, singing in the choir. It's just nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. What a blessing. Well, we're this evening going to finish up in a manner of speaking. This morning it was uh, kind of rough, I think, for some. Uh, and I, I, I don't apologize for it. I just feel like, well, uh, I hope the Lord dealt with hearts this morning. Amen? And uh, we think about the, the fact that uh, the Lord said his very own words, Because you were neither hot nor cold, I spew thee out of my mouth. Uh, and I know some may have just been so discouraged by that. But I want to say something. That tonight I want us to go to yet another portion of Scripture that will be of help to us. So if you'd open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter number 9. In Acts chapter number 9, uh, I, I just, I think you're probably familiar with the area, looking at, you know, other than maybe our youngsters here, but looking at who's here tonight, Acts 9, you're familiar with this. Every time I read the account here, uh, I just stand amazed at the great grace of God. Uh, you know, you see the Lord takes Saul and it saves him by his grace. God's grace saves him, transforms him into the great apostle uh, to the Gentiles. What a, what a true, true transformation. And when you think about that, the part that's just awesome is that there's hope for people like you or me then. Amen. And uh, the truth is, Saul was really, really unlikable. Uh, at that time, he absolutely uh, despised Christians. Uh, he did everything in his power to not only nullify, but to destroy the name of Jesus Christ and those that would follow him. I mean, his guy is an unlikely candidate for any sort of ministry. But yet... The Lord Jesus Christ reached down in grace and took him from where he was and used him to change the world. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter number 9, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And Saul, now that we've introduced, we know which Saul we're talking about, not the king. This is that youngster that, that at this point, that man who, who had held the garments and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, that, that word there, of this way, meaning Christians, those who followed Christ, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why, thou, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. If it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished, astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now we'll skip on down to verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. The Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming, and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. What a blessing. We'll, we'll stop right there. You know, just like we talked about a week or two ago with this woman who was preparing to die, she was preparing a, her last little bit of, of meal and, and oil. And uh, God had, had prepared Elijah and said, this, go to this woman. I have, I have commanded a widow woman there to provide this for you. He's done the same. God has provided. He knew. And so this is wonderful news that, that God knows all right. Even though we have free will, God knows and prepares in advance a plan that is to his glory. Amen. You think about this. Uh, I was talking with somebody. I think it was I was when I was talking with uh, missionaries and and uh, years ago, I mean, we're, you know, talk about, you know, the, the 80s, even before the 80s. Uh, all the time in the military, putting myself in harm's way, Beirut, Lebanon, Grenada, El Salvador, all these places. But God knew. He had a plan. And by the way, I was not yet saved. But God still, I, like Saul, quite honestly, now I didn't go about persecuting Christians, but I'll tell you what, I did not have a kind word for them Bible-thumping Baptists. I'm just being honest. I found them to be very offending and, and just annoying. And so, but God already had a plan. God already had put in place in a, in a I mean, just amazing the way God works. Up, up, uprooting lives, you know, moving from, from one home where we had established and we're going to be there, it seemed to be, until we were old. And then moves me and takes us to a town where my wife ultimately meets another lady whose wife is the assistant pastor at one of those Bible-thumping Baptist churches. You know, God has a plan. So you think about that, and I look back at my life and, and all those things, and yeah, I, I, you know, I was fine. I mean, as, as far as I'm not a murderer, a drug abuser, a drug taker, an alcoholic, or any of those kinds of things that we always, you know, hear testimony of. I was a good guy, kind of. Hey, I wasn't like Saul, but yet I was still sinner. Sinner, sinner, sinner. And so when you think about, you know, even especially after the, the morning message, if it, if it struck close to home, that you find yourself lukewarm, well, God can really use your life. He still can. Uh, and I'm perfect testimony of that. We look at Paul. Paul, Paul is actual, the, the prime testimony, and we'll look at some others. But, you know, 
when you look at Paul, we, we often, when we study the Apostle Paul, we, we get this idea in our mind that he was this, this uh, shining super apostle, super saint kind of guy. And, and there's, you know, because of all he did, he was just so special. And there's just no way God could use us because we're just not that special. Well, I, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. If you were to go the day before Paul's walking on the road to Damascus and see Paul, or excuse me, Saul, you wouldn't think he's any different. All right? There's no, you're not going to look at this guy who's got letters in hand and he's getting ready to go persecute and put in bondage and take the followers of the way, those Christians he could get his hand, men and women, he didn't care. And he's taking them to Jerusalem, lock them up. You know, you wouldn't have thought, wow, he's just, he's a, he's a super apostle. He's going to be doing great things for the Lord. You know, now those that were on his side, uh, certainly they, those who wrote the letters thought he was wonderful because they also did not like the way. But indeed, you know, we see all this and, and, and I just want you to let you know, Jesus can and will use you if you make yourself available. That's the key to it. You've got to make yourself available. Don't stay there as we, as we you know, learned this morning. If you found yourself you know, in the lukewarm category, don't stay there. Make yourself available. You, know, you have to ask yourself you know, this question. Can God really use me? Yes, he can. That's the simple answer to the whole thing. But, but pastor, I've done this or I've done that. Stop. Just just stop. God can use you. You know, I, I, I used to, and I still believe this, God could even use Adolf Hitler if Adolf Hitler would have gotten saved. All right? And as, as, as murderous as he was, if he'd have repented of his sin, if he would have asked forgiveness, sought forgiveness with a true and contrite heart, God has no choice because of his own word to forgive him and redeem him. That's just God. And so when, you know, can God really use my life? Yes, God can use my life. But, but pastor, this morning I was sitting here, you know, and, and I make God sick because I'm lukewarm. Yeah, well, guess what? You don't always have to be that way. God said he had the remedy. He counseled them about what the remedy, you know. So there it is, you know, looking at four things tonight to help you in the regard. And maybe you don't need help. I don't, I'm not going to go through here and go, okay, you need help and you need help and you need help. You don't, you're fine, you're fine. Because I don't know, I don't do that. I don't know that. God knows this. But let's just get to four things that I know that God will take in, in, and work with, all right. Number one, let's go back to verse number one. In verse number one, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, desiring letters to Damascus. Okay, there it is, by Paul's testimony. He's guilty of doing everything in his power. All right? Everything in his power to put Christianity to death. So, number one, your past condition, it's no obstacle. It's no obstacle. 
How many times have we sat and listened to evangelists, preachers, missionaries give testimony, or even just, just folks stand and give testimony about their life? They used to be this, used to do that. I, I mean, I've heard, I've heard some of the most uh, gutter-bound stories of how people were. And you know what? That might impress the crowd that's looking for the shock and awe factor, but the matter of the fact is, it just says, I'm a sinner. Boom, you're done right there with it. You don't have to give me the details. Unrepentant sinner. There it is. Uh, but the, the, your past is no condition. I mean, it, it's no obstacle. It isn't. You know, you think about it. Paul's a murderer. He was a rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ. He was doing all he could to stop Jesus Christ. Uh, religiously, he was, uh, he was a man to be envied because from his side of the crowd. But, you know, he was just as wicked as any man who ever walked the earth. So your past condition, no obstacle. You know, it proves no obstacle. If your past condition was an obstacle, you know what that does do? That diminishes the power of the grace of God. Think about that. It's like, well, I've heard it, I've heard it said too. Well, you know, when we were in, in Romania, Brother Tom, I've just done too many things. Really? <laughs> so, in other words, you've, you've outbatted God's grace? I don't see that possible. God's grace is, it, it, it's infinite. And so, how can you outdo God's grace by your wrongdoing. It's not possible, you know. So when Paul received Jesus in his heart, he was changed forever. So his condition was no obstacle. The fact that he was even a, a, a disgusting and a, and a dastardly demon to the church didn't bother. God has said no problem, still forgave him. You know, your past is no obstacle. It's no obstacle. Uh, no matter what you've done. Why? Because there is no bounds. There's no limits to what God won't forgive. With the exception of telling God, no, I don't need your Holy Spirit. That's the unforgivable. But to all the rest, yeah. You know, when he saved your soul, he washed away your sins. He did. Uh, you think about it. Where, does, where did God put our, where's our sin go? As far as the east is from the west, to the deepest depths of the bottom of the sea. You know, it's like they're gone. It's gone. It doesn't matter. You know, you do a little thinking, pondering on this thing, and, and you come up with some thoughts here. I, I was thinking about the deeds and records of deeds. And there are, there's, there are three records of your past deeds in the world today. First, there's a record that you carry in your mind. There is that. And then there is the record carried by all those people who knew you. Well, they don't have much to do with salvation. They don't have much to do with your walk with the Lord. They've got to deal with their own salvation and their own walk. Amen? And thirdly, there's a record carried by Satan. 
And he will throw your past up to you from time to time. He will. Uh, but I remind you right now that those there, that's the three records. The one I've left out is God. God doesn't carry a record. With God, once you've repented and once you've sought forgiveness, you are forgiven. I love the fact, and I, and I say this with such a sincerity in my heart, I love the fact that I know that God the Father who loves me will, not maybe, will forgive me if I confess my sin. He is faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's a fact in the Bible. It doesn't say might. It doesn't say he's going to take it up for advisement. It doesn't say that he is going to just, well, let me ponder whether or not that was really uh, something I want to forgive. No. He looks at your heart. And if your heart is truly repentant, you will be forgiven. So the condition uh, of where you're at, the, it's no obstacle with God. You can't out-bad his good. You know, um, I know Satan remembers it, things I've done. I know I remember things I've done. But God in heaven has forgotten my past, and amen. Forgotten yours too if you've given it up to him in forgiveness. There's no obstacle. You know, Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. Now, as far as the east is from the west, well, uh, you know, you, I've heard various ways of describing, why did he choose those words? Why did he choose those words? Well, uh, if you use north and south, well, we, we've already put, and we have a very great understanding in our, not only our language, but other languages, we know there's no farther place than the North Pole. And we know there's a South Pole. Where's the East Pole? Where's the West Pole? There isn't one. So as far as the East is from the West, can you f define that distance? No. It's so great, it's indefinable. So therefore, our sin is put into a place. It's so far away. Amen. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah wrote in his chapter 38, verse 17, For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Amen. I'm glad he puts them back there. Because he doesn't look back. He looks forward. I'm thankful for that, that condition. I, and later on in, in chapter 43, Isaiah wrote, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. He's quoting God. For mine own sake. Okay, now there's the key. Why are your transgressions put as far as east is in the west, put in the depths of the deepest part of the sea? Not so that you don't have to deal with them. No. He says right here, the key is, Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. Amen. I am so glad that he is the teacher of what love is. You know, throughout the Bible, God has used people in spite of, in spite of their greatest failures. In spite of their failure. You know Simon Peter? 
He preached the greatest message and had his greatest ministry. After that, he denied the Lord. Moses. Moses was a murderer. Yet God used him for his glory. Amen? Samson sinned against God, yet he, yet he slew more Philistines in the end of his life than he had during his entirety of his ministry. Abraham lied, yet he was used of the Lord. Jacob was a deceiver, yet the Lord transformed and used him greatly. I mean, there are many that could be listed among these. Your past, your past is no condition, all right? I mean, it's not an obstacle. Secondly, your present circumstances are no obstacle. Paul's on his way to Damascus to find Christians to arrest. God used him right then and there. He was in the middle of what we would consider a very sinful activity. He was going to persecute, possibly even have murdered, but for sure incarcerate those and and bring great pain and displeasure to men and women who followed Christ. And God used him right then and there. He didn't wait for him to, to repent of his bad doings. We don't read that there's, there's no chapter nine and a half where, where Paul sees the error in his ways and something he's heard in the town makes him regret. No, no, he's, he's in the very act of going to do all this uh, persecution to the church and God saved him. See, your present circumstances are no obstacle. I'm telling you right now. You know, he'll do the same thing in your life. I, I, I know he will. I know we will. He'll take us with all the baggage that we carry and use us for his glory. He will. You know, we, we all bring certain liabilities with us, you know. I mean, some are uneducated folks. Some are don't have resources. There are a few resources. Some are weak in the faith. Some are arrogant, and some are just filled with pride. But Lord can use him. I'd like to remind you how the Lord used me. And I, I'm not going to go back through all the details, but sure, he's able to take us exactly where we are, change what needs to be changed, and use us greatly. Amen. I'm glad for that. You don't have to stay lukewarm. The Bible is filled with all kinds of accounts of that as well. Moses, 80 years old. When the Lord called him into the ministry, 80 years old. So, you know, you think, well, my, well, you know, but pastor, the circumstances of what's going on, I don't think the Lord would use me. Moses, 80 years old, (laughs) right? When he started to be used, you know, he had problems. He had problems beside his age. You know, he wasn't very eloquent in his speaking. He admits that. Uh, He was filled with fear. He was opposed to the Lord's plan for his life. Uh, yet, despite all the baggage and him begging that, you know, someone else would do it, God was able to use him for God's glory. The, the, the demoniac or the, the Gadarene demoniac fellow, you know, you find him in Mark chapter 5. You know, he was a man feared by everybody. I suppose if you read Mark 5 and you read the fact that the way he was and the way he acted and stuff, people had a reason to be afraid of him, right? But the Lord was able to take that man in his circumstances and cause him so much trouble. This guy was causing so much trouble and he was able to use him to be a witness for the glory of God. 
Think about that. Some crazy wackadoodle chained up, naked and running around. And God used him for his glory. You know, in, in 2 Kings chapter 7, we find the account of four lepers who become the unlikely saviors of Jerusalem. We preached a message on it that's entitled, We Do Not Well If We Do Not Tell. And they sat there eating all that food they found in the abandoned camp and they went back in. I mean, these are lepers. Talk about circumstances that you don't want to be finding yourself in. They're circumstances. God says, no, 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 no. No, your circumstances, your present circumstances, no big deal. I can do that. So just think, your circumstances, they, they have not caught the Lord by surprise. All right, whether or not you're cold or hot or lukewarm, you didn't catch the Lord by surprise. You know, we'd have to be really, really uh, egotistic to think that we caught the Lord by surprise, especially when he's already put it in his word that there will be those who are not hot, not cold, but lukewarm. And you think about that, you know, the Lord knows this. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows where you are, and he still can use your life if, if it's yielded up to him for glory, his glory. It's, you know, your past conditions, no obstacle, and your present circumstances are no obstacle. Thirdly, let's look at verse number 11. Chapter 9 of Acts, verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul was feared by the followers of the Lord. Might I say this? Not only will your circumstances, your condition not be an obstacle, your personal characteristics aren't going to be an obstacle with the Lord either. All right? Paul's feared by everybody who loved the Lord. Everybody. His conversation was seen by to many after he got saved, be nothing more than some sort of a ruse or a trap to get those and to find them out. The, the disciples that were there in Jerusalem, they didn't trust him. You know, I mean, they, they, they knew of him. It took a while, didn't it? I'm so glad there was one that God also prepared by the name of Barnabas. Amen. But, you know, his... his characteristics that he had would immediately think about it, you know, someone like that come into the church, say, I, I, I want to join this church, I'm saved, and all you know is that man has always been in the news, 
as being a bootlegger and a drug pusher, and you just stack up the other stuff if you want, you know, and, and, and a, a persecutor. He, he burnt down a, a Baptist church in Wellsville or something, you know, all this, and he comes in the door. Well, well granted, it's just human nature. We're going to go, hmm, somebody keep an eye on him. Somebody, because I don't buy into this one bit. Hey, you know, your personal characteristics are no obstacle to God. You know, if we get in the com business of comparing ourselves with others, then we're going to be in for a rough ride. And that's exactly what, you know, these the, the disciples in Jerusalem, they were comparing him with them, and they weren't, they weren't coming out much better looking than the Pharisees. And uh, we know how we look at those. But, you know, we've got, many of us, we've got personal characteristics that, that make us feel that we cannot be used of God effectively. Uh, but I want to remind you that God can use. He can take that thing, which may be a problem, whether it's like Moses, your speech impediment, and you don't speak eloquently or whatever, and, and he, can, he can change that. He can get rid of that. He can, he, he can use us even with it. I don't remember reading, and check me if I'm wrong and let me know, but I don't re remember reading that Moses, when he finally succumbed to the Lord, stopped stammering and started speaking eloquently. We don't have that account, I don't believe. It's just God used him anyway, and, you know, and so he would. You know, you think about it. There's there's fellas that I know, there, there's an evangelist that, that lives up, He's part of the Black Creek. Man spent time in prison for crying out loud. You know, he's 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 was a horrible husband. He was very abusive. He abused drugs. He did all sorts of things that found himself in prison. All right, so he carries that with him. You don't have to really go far uh, in physically looking at him to see he still has prison tattoos all around his neck that stick above his shirt. When, that he wears when he's preaching the gospel. See, God uses in, in his characteristics? No. Your personal characteristics are no obstacle when it's God involved. Lukewarm? Hey, well, I have this. I'm lukewarm because of this. No, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. You know, he, God excels in taking the weak and foolish things of this world and using them in a great way. Amen? Bible to prove that out again. We already mentioned Moses. God took the old man who had a speech impediment and used him. God used a young Jewish girl named Esther to save his people. God used a young unknown boy named David to be the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. Right? I mean, he's just a shepherd kid. God used 12 unknown men from various walks of life to set the world on fire for him. Amen. We call them apostles. Amen. You know what? Even Jesus had strikes against him. We're talking about characteristics. Now, did his character have flaws? No, 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 no. You know, but everybody did think. You know, all the people assumed that he was an illegitimate born child of fornication. They did. Others saw him as being no more than just the son of Mary and a carpenter named Joseph. 
You know, you think about a whole bunch thought that there's no way God could use anybody from Nazareth. Jesus was from Nazareth. Just a carpenter's son. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? All these characteristics they laid on him. Others questioned the fact that he came from Galilee. Some even said Jesus was nothing more than a tool of Satan. Look that one up, Mark 3 later on, Mark 3.22. Even with those marks against him. You know, who can deny that the Lord used Jesus Christ? And, and I, mean, I mean, in a greater way than any other life has been used. All these characteristics, psh, they're no obstacle. You know, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what your problems are, what personality quirks you have, I'm glad personality quirks aren't a, a game changer. I'm really glad. Stop. <laughs> I'm glad for your sake too, Brother Terry, because the personality quirks, I got plenty of them. And I'm glad he doesn't use those against us. And he can do this stuff. God can and will use you. All right? But you have to make yourself available. You have to be right. You know, God can use all kinds of people, and he does. All kinds of people. They're, I'm so glad to know that there is not a mold one must fit to become a Christian that God can use. you imagine how boring that would be? I'm glad that we don't have to worry about that. I'm glad he'll use all kinds of preachers. He'll use all kinds of Sunday school teachers. He'll use all kinds of choir directors. He'll use all kinds of of just evangelists and missionaries. He'll use all kinds of his people. And all of the little quirks and all the little personality things, that's what makes us so interesting together. Amen. He's just looking for those things that will be helpful in our ministries. There are people, and I, I think about it this way, the quirks that I have, there are people that I will be able to reach because of my quirkiness of this thing or that thing. And I will never reach that one over there because I'm going to have to have Nathan do it because of his quirkiness or his characteristic. I'm going to have to have, you know, Twyla's going to have to reach this other lady that I, my wife can't because of who Twyla is, her characteristics. You can always be used. Always. That's a blessing. Your past condition is no obstacle. Your present circumstances are no obstacle. Your personal characteristics are no obstacle. Obstacle. I'm all, whew, starting to sound like Donnie Pollard now. Obstacle. Brother Pollard. <laughs> Take a break here. I talked to him the other day. He called up. Brother Tom. Yeah. Hey, it's Brother Pollard here. I'm just checking up on you, brother. We have a conversation, usually about five minutes, and then he instantly goes, all right. Got to go by. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, yeah, obstacle. So he puts it. Let me say this, the last one here we'll touch tonight. Your private concerns are no obstacle. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to share with you something in God's word here. Beginning in verse number 7. 
And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me, and he, that's the Lord, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, I've already touched on this, but God was able to use the Apostle Paul in spite of all the physical infirmity, infirmities that he had as well. Now, we don't know that's never been defined, and I think it would just be a fool's errand to go figure out what were those thorn in the flesh. But to each has its own, and we all have a, some sort of infirmity, whether it's a physical infirmity or whether it's some infirmity in, that we perceive would stop us from being used. Or a private concern, well, this or that, oh, I can't do this, i got to do that or this or that. No, 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 that's no obstacle. And you know, if it is a physical infirmity that's keeping you, like, well, I'm too old, or, well, I'm not, I'm not old enough. Well, guess what? Paul stated his weaknesses guaranteed, guaranteed him greater strength. I mentioned already, and I'm not picking on Miss Twyla for the fact of age, but, hey, ladies, you know, there are, several of our ladies are senior saints here. God still use you. Don't think, well, I'm too old. Well, I've done my time. No. <laughs> you know when your time is done is when your time is done. All right, amen? Uh, you know, I, I would love to know, and I'm sure somewhere someone could come up with a statistic, but I would love to know how many old preachers stood in the pulpit, maybe even banging, and went down. <laughs> you know? Uh, I can't think of a more awesome way to go. Uh, but, I mean, the old, uh, age has nothing to do with it. You know, you think about, you know, Austin and, and Robbie there and Riley and Molly. Who else we got, young one? Oh, Trevor and Jesse back there. Jesse's a little too, he's out. Oh, that's Hunter. Oh, okay. See, all I can see is nose holes. But, uh, all right, they're, they're young. We say, well, they're too young. No, they're not. Jesse, do you know how to get saved? I mean, Travis, do you know how to get saved? Yeah, you can tell somebody, huh? Yeah. I know Robbie has. Yeah. So not, you're not too young. You're not too old. So age, there, you know, there's a, a private concern. Throw it out. You know, well, uh, I have this or that. You know, you might look. Like Paul. Paul looked on himself as being weak and unable to do much for the Lord and for the cause of Christ. But yet having a conversation with that. After he had that conversation with the Lord, he discovered the truth of the matter is God doesn't need us to be strong. God's strong. Amen? He just needs us to be dependent upon him and turn it over to him. God isn't looking for spiritual powerhouses. He's not looking for everyone who, anybody who he calls must be like a, a great preacher, the, the Billy Sundays, the D.L. Moody's of the world. No, he's not looking. He's looking for someone who'd say, here am I, Lord, send me. 
He's looking for people who have nothing more than just faith and desire, a desire to cling to the Lord. You know, we look back at the Bible, we'll find times again where God took the weak and used them in a great way. I like when you do comparisons like this because it causes you to go through and read a whole lot of scripture and even more so than just doing the, uh, the, the quizzes. For, you know, you guys get to go through back and forth and try to figure out where it was when you do the quizzes, etc. You know, weak, Hannah, she wanted a child. She turned it over to the Lord in desperation and God gave her a son. All right, and that son, he was destined to be a great spiritual leader to the Israelite people. You know, we can. Daniel, just a lad. Daniel was a teenage boy when the Lord gave him the strength to stand up to the king of Babylon. You know, we'd, <laughs> I, I can't help but think sometimes, you know, I, 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 I see these things in my mind. I, I read scripture and I put them together and I make it alive in my head. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, what an awesome young teenager. Stand up to the king of Babylon. And then there was a little voice piped up and goes, man, you would cuff that teenager upside the head if he talked to you that way. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm glad I'm not him. I'm glad the Lord has Daniel and isn't afraid of, yeah, Daniel could have been, Daniel could have been killed. He could have been executed. He could have been made into even greater bondage that he was in by Nebuchadnezzar. But he didn't. He stood up. Daniel was totally yielded to the Lord. That's why he was able to be used. His circumstances at the time, his, his you know, the whole, the, this private concerns of, well, this is, I, I, I can't do this, or I can't do that. I mean, Daniel stood up in such a manner, the speaking, that why is it of the four young men that we have the account for there in Daniel in chapter 1, we're introduced to them, why is it that Daniel is hardly ever, maybe I think it's once or twice, it's referred to by his Chaldean name? They always refer to him as Daniel. But no, there's... There's, uh, what was it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know those fellows, right? But the real names, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. They were their Hebrew names. We know David's or Daniel's Hebrew name. He stuck with it. God's word stuck with it. There's something about him. God just continued to use him. I think that's wonderful. The other, another, uh, what would be seemingly a weak person, no no big victorious valiant uh, king or any, a little girl named Mary, teenage girl when God asked her to carry the Messiah in her virgin womb, a teenage girl, man, think about the reproach she lived under, you know, I'm sure just because of human Condition. I am sure that when she went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth, there were people in town there that gave all kinds of lip service to how much of a wanton, wayward gal she was, and she did this and that, and she's guilty of fornication, and yada, yada, yada. And that's why she left to go visit her cousin. She left to avoid all that. No, I. Then why'd she come back <laughs> in a greater condition than when she left? Amen. But she lived under reproach. She was strong in the Lord. And he used her. He used her to minister to billions. 
Think about that. And I'm not talking about, you know, the, the reverence that some religions give to her. I'm talking about the fact that she brought forth in a babe in swaddling clothes that's the Messiah. Billions and billions have been affected by her. You know, yeah, sure, some people, we, you fight depression, some battle illnesses, some battle loneliness, some battle fight against uh, feelings of inferiority and all this. And, but you know what? Whatever name your particular weakness is, it can be an obstacle only if you allow it to be. Only if you allow it to be. You know, maybe this morning again, maybe this morning it came up with, hey, I found myself as a four, five, six, or seven. I'm in the lukewarm thing. I, I'm there. Well, guess what? He'd take you in the middle of that weakness, in the middle of that weakness, and still use you. Use you to confound the devil. He can use you to shed light to the lost. He can use you to share the gospel to a lost and dying world. He can make it an inspiration to everybody around you. Your life can change in such a manner that people around you are inspired. Those, here you were, a six or a five in the lukewarm scale. Maybe you were such a point that people this morning said, well, I know who that number ought to be. Because that happens too. But maybe you were such a point that even an eight or a nine on the scale will say, wow, that one, that person's an inspiration. God has really used them. And I think that's the point. I think that's the whole desire of the messages today. Is that we'd all be challenged. We'd all find ourselves, hey, even if you were an eight or a nine, getting back to it on the scale of hot, one, two, and three is cold. Four, five, six, seven is lukewarm. Eight, nine, and ten is hot. Even if you are eight or a nine, why are you not a ten? Amen? There's room. And don't say, well, I don't know that God could use me. Yes, he can. Let's stand.